was still the Lord God Almighty. Nothing has changed. You have not diminished in any way. You are in charge of the world. Blessed be your name in the name of Jesus. As we look into your word, we pray for the spirit of understanding and the courage to walk in the truth. In Christ Jesus, I want to pray. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let your hearts be glad. Let your soul not fear. Let your spirit rejoice. Because the Lord God Almighty is in control. I want to thank our Archdeacon and the Chaplaincy. Today we shall be meditating on a very important topic. One that is dear to the hearts. One that speaks of a Lord. And one that we must learn to imitate. And that topic is humility, the way to exaltation. And as we read through the text, we see in verse 5 of that Matthew 25, that the word of the Lord said, Tell the daughters of Zion, Behold, your king comments unto you, Speak! And sitting upon an ass and a coat, the father of an ass, praise the Lord. Your king, not your slave, but your king is coming to you, weak and sitting on an ass. You know, one other word for humility. Meekness. And when you think of it, no king rides an ass in the days of Jesus. I want us to take it in contemporary terms. At that time, there were chariots, that's what kings There were boots used for war. There were other horses. Then there was the humble donkey. In contemporary times, it's like saying there are SUVs which governors use, bulletproof. There are saloons which the rich use, people of providence. Then there is Kakanabe. Hallelujah and legends. And the king of the whole universe decided to ride on Kekanabe. He was riding into Jerusalem on Kekanabe. I know some of you that are here will not even want to enter Kekanabe at all. Praise the Lord. But the king of all the means of transportation, the only one he could choose was Kekanabe. And he came into the city to demonstrate an important 
aspects of our life humility, the roots of exaltation. Praise the Lord. And if you look at the word humility, the text is root word humilis, which is a Latin word. And Hebrews is used either as a verb or as an adjective. I've got an expert in English, but there's something I want to bring out. It is used differently in the world. In the world, it is something to be looked down on to God. Nobody will choose or want to choose the chief executive of a business amongst those who appear to be humble. What they look for are people who are aggressive, who are forceful, who are dynamic. That is how the world views humility. In the world, if you are humble, you are considered base of low parts. If they are merciful, they say you are modest. Praise the Lord. In Bible dictionary, the word humility is used as to condescend, to come down to the level of others. It's used as gentility. It's used as meekness, low-mindedness, mind. And so the way the world sees humility, which is the way most of us see it, is different from the way God sees it. In the world, humility is to be crushed on the mind of our nose. In God, humility is priceless. And we as we go through the scriptures, we will find out why. Praise the Lord. There is another type of humility that is called false humility. That's the one God hates. It's not common amongst eagles. They say that eagles that their knees do not go down. Praise the Lord. But it's not common amongst the Yorubans. And it was common in the time of old amongst the Jews. And in Isaiah 58, verse 5, God rebuked them very sharply because of false humility. He says that this is the time of fast that I have chosen a day for a man to admit his soul. Is it, not, is it to bow down his head as a wash rush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and acceptable day of the Lord? Possibility. An appearance of humility. But the heart is standing fast. 
on each own mindset. The humility we are meant to look for is the time that was in Christ. The humility that comes from within. The humility that is a choice. You have decided to be humble. Not because you can be looked down on. You know who you are. Or even though you know who you are. You know that who you are is nothing. There was a time I was thinking about God and I told myself we are nothing. I looked at the sciences. I looked at biology. And we're still exploring the mysteries. Before coronavirus became very popular, and the whole world cannot understand it, we have been exploring the mysteries in itself, oneself. I looked at physics and astronomy. I looked at mathematics and the complex equations that we cannot solve. And I said all these things came from our minds. And when I thought about it, I told myself we are nothing. Maybe you have a few pounds or dollars in your accounts. And it suddenly begins to blow your mind. Have you thought of the one who created a, a cartoon in a thousand years? And all the beds of the air. When you look at the glories of God, you know we are nothing. So why stand up right before Him? Why not bow to Him? Jesus emphasized the need for humility in most of His teachings. And I will pick a few of them. I will speak of the rewards of humility and I will end this message. Humility must be shown in social conduct. That's what Jesus taught us. In Luke chapter 14, verse 7, the word of God says, He put forth a parable to those which we are bidding. When he marked how they chose the chief rooms, Saying unto them, When you are bidding of any man to a wedding, sit down, not down in the highest room. This is the more honorable man than thou be bidding. And he that bidded thee will come and say to thee, Give this man place, and thou will begin with shame to take the lowest room. But when thou art bidding, go and sit in the lowest room. Praise the Lord. Humility must be shown in our social conduct. When you come to a garden, you don't always expect that they will announce your name and recognize you. When that mindset arises within you, Know that the enemy of your soul is at work. Deal with it. Nobody will see it. 
the Lord has not recognized. Praise the Lord. When we look at the rewards of divinity, you will find why you need to find such mindsets. Because they are subtle, but they are deadly. Praise the Lord. Jesus emphasizes. As you read down in that Luke 14, verse 11, that whosoever exalts himself shall be abased, but he that humbles himself will be exalted. Let humility become a lifestyle. Deep inside your heart. Let your status not rule you. Because there is nothing you are that others have not been, and others yet of God shall be. There was once when I was still in this chapel, we went. I went to the chaplain to see somebody, a member of the church who was who had a problem at the medical school. We went to see him. And something really happened. I was <laughs> I I marked it inside my heart. He said they throw my units without just walking. And so we walked in and we waited. I think the person was having a procedure in the side room where there was a nurse and some nurses were at war. And when the nurse came out, he washed us down. He scolded us because we wanted to see somebody. He was so full of himself in his voice and attitude. And as he was speaking, I just laughed in my heart. I said, but you don't even know who you are talking to. Praise the Lord. Let humility rule your hearts. Let it rule your ways of life. Let it rule your utterance. I don't want to tell the stories that are told in social media because many of them are fabricated. But let me go to another thing that Jesus says. Let humility be the basis for your self-assessment. Many of us do not have the correct assessment of ourselves. But Jesus wants us to be humble in self-assessment. In Mark chapter 9 verse 33, something happened. In Mark 9, 33, he came to Capernaum and being in the house, he asked them, What was it that you disputed amongst yourselves by the way? He was taking, talking to the apostles. But they held their peace. They were ashamed to tell him what they were talking about. So they kept their mouths shut. Hallelujah. For by the way, they had disputed amongst themselves who should be the greatest. And they sat down and called the twelve and said to them, If any man desires to be the first, the same shall be the last of all, and the servant of all. And they took a child and sat him in the midst of them. 
And when he had taken him in his arms, he said unto him, Whosoever shall receive one of these children in my name, receives me. And whosoever receives me, receives not me, but he that sent me. Let humility rule your assessment of yourself. Hallelujah. When I was on campus, there was one particular year. There was an election in the Christian Union. And a Saudi student in architecture who thought he was supposed to be elected. That was the first time there was a revolt against the unanimous votes that is usually taken in electing the president of the CU. The young man felt he should be the one, but somebody else was chosen. And they circulated in protests. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let humility rule your assessment of yourself, even within the church. Don't always think that you will be the one appointed to give the lesson or to give the message of what value is it to you. You are not even assessed by your message, you are assessed by the message you give out. Don't say they don't look my way when they are sharing duties. They don't recognize me. There was a man in the church where I am now. They stopped giving him messages to preach because the day he preached the message, they did not know the dynamics of the roots or the source of the message. And he started complaining. Some of us are like that in our secret hearts. And inside that, that changes. You feel overlooked. But it's not what you think is important that is important to God. I know in this church, an effort, a deliberate effort is made to mobilize everybody. And that is very good. Praise the Lord. But you may be overlooked. That doesn't mean you are not loved or recognized. Assess yourself. Ask yourself, how much am I going to live in this life? Praise the Lord. Finally, Jesus thought there must be humility in the leadership of the church. There must be humility amongst church leaders, cell group leaders, zonal leaders. Don't always think that you are like the governor. Hallelujah. Let's see what Jesus taught Peter before he went through the trials and led to Easter. In John chapter 13, verse 6. Jesus was washing the feet of his disciples. In this present time, we may not understand what feet washing is. It's a Jewish culture. They lived in desert land. They had this tradition to, they were even baptizing cops and schools and things. 
But this particular one, the washing of feet, was quite acceptable to Jesus. When you go through the dusty fields and come to the house, the slave or the servant, the most lowly servant, with a cup, a basin of water, and a towel, will wash your feet. It's a sign of hospitality. A sign of welcome. You know, there are people who do it very who welcome people very well. I like the way Soka people welcome people. If you come to the home of an Osoka man, you will say, Hello, Dejan, hello, Dejan, hello. They will keep saying it until you get tired. Hallelujah. That shows your welcome. Praise the Lord. The way the Jews welcomed you was the servants to go and wash your feet. And Jesus started washing the feet of the apostles. And when he came to Peter, in John 13, 6, then cometh he to Peter, and Peter says to him, Lord, thou, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What? I do, thou wast not now, but shall know hereafter. Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Hallelujah. Peter was being humble without understanding that the Lord of the world will wash his feet. I don't, I don't know. It's not like saying that Bunai. We just come from a sort of man and go to the dispenser and fetch water and start sharing. Many of you will jump up and say, Okay, where to leave it for you? Praise the Lord. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part in me. Praise the Lord. Immediately he said, If Peter knew he was talking of something spiritual. But before then, you remember, he had told him, what I am doing now, you do not yet uh, understand. Now let's move past to verse 13 of that same chapter. Then Jesus explains what he does. You call me Master Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. It's not that Jesus was humble because he didn't know who he was. He knew who he was. He knew who he was, and because he knew who he was, he was not ready to contend for who he was. He knew that there was a virtue that was more important than status. And that virtue is the virtue of humility. Verse 14. If then, if then your Lord and Master have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Praise the Lord. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. I don't know who we are Christ in the church. I am not speaking ill of the dead. I just want to bring out an illustration. There was this man who was a priest 
And it was a camel. And you know, most of us in that church were rebellious. Praise the Lord. And many of you have also been taught some rebellion. And so we walk up to him and say, Good morning, sir. He said, Good morning, sir. You want to bring you back? He said, God will bring me proper. Say, Good morning, come. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That was his attitude. He later became the federal and his needs. What am I trying to say? In church leadership, the leader should watch the feet of the pop. Part of washing the feet is teaching. Part of washing the feet is finding out your needs and meeting it. Part of washing your feet is to find them they are in agony and comfort you. That is the work of a leader. Are you a cell leader? Are you a solo leader? Are you a pastor? To members of your cell or activity group as you call it here, have they disappeared under your watch? And all you say is they don't come. The standard of scriptures is that the shepherds and his Praise the Lord. I know God and Kumba with many things, but let's always remember this. I thank God for this chaplaincy at this church because I know that is the situation. In fact, when I was here, I had one experience. I'm sure the young man has left school, so I cannot tell the story. There was this young man who had financial problems. And I quickly raised help for me. But the thing that happened later is the reason I'm telling you this story, not because I raised help for me. I had not come from the church. And one day, <laughs> I got the text in my phone thanking me for everything and telling me that there was no means to pay more fees. And I will appreciate if I continue to see him too. Praise the Lord. You know, that is so because that's what your shepherds do in this church. And so I told him, no, I will not continue to see you too because I am from this church and I know how it works. Contact Ajaren and I'm sure that Ajaren will take care of you. So that's the reason I told him that, so that he will understand the basis of the help he received. That it will be a lesson if he appreciated the fact that that was the structure of the church and not just an act of benevolence by an individual. 
And let that discuss with that direct and the issues you are sorting out. Praise the Lord. In the church, leadership, humility, and the washing of feet should be the basis of relationship between congregation and their leaders, especially in your activity groups. Because then you know one another. Praise the Lord. And if you do so, there will be exponential growth in the church. Humility has a reward. And once I finish with the reward, which is really the trust of the message, I will end. Number one, humility is the precondition for the forgiveness of sins. And you know that very well that without sin being forgiven, that you can receive nothing from God. Indeed, God is not interested in the death of a sinner. That's what we are told in Ezekiel 33, verse 11. And God desires that even the most wicked will reach a point in his life when he will humble himself. And once he humbles himself and asks for forgiveness, God is willing and ready to forgive immediately. Praise the Lord. You will see this in several Chronicles 33 verse 10. And you see it in the life of that king, Manisa. God will always say, because of the sins of Manisa, I will deal with this land. But Manisa himself had redemption. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 33, verse 10, the Bible says, The Lord spoke to Manisa and to his people, but they will not happen. Wherefore the Lord brought upon them the captains of the hosts of the kings of Assyria, which took Manasseh amongst the towns and bound him with fetters and carried him to Babylon. Verse 4. And when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. And prayed unto him, and he was entreated of him. And heard and heard his supplication, and brought out again to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manisa knew that the Lord he was God. Praise the Lord. Part of the reason for chastisements. In fact, the main reason for chastisement because there's a difference between chastisement and judgments. I think that God is chastising the world. Praise the Lord. But I want to tell us that even in chastisement there is mercy. Praise the Lord. The main reason for chastisement is to humble the people. To bring them down. You know, this corona thing is very interesting, but I don't want to go too much into it before I lose track of my message. Praise the Lord. 
Well, if you look at Leviticus chapter 26, I'll read something for us. Leviticus 26, verse 14. But if you will not hearken unto me, I will not do all these commandments. And if you will despise my status, or if your soul abhors my judgment, so that you will not do all my commandments, but that you will break my covenant, I will, I also will do this unto you. I will even appoint over you terror. Is that terror in the land? Consumption is something consuming the lungs of many. And burning is something consuming everywhere. That shall consume your eyes and cause sorrow of the hearts. And the eyes, as people look at what is happening, and their eyes consume. Is their heart sorrowful, even if it doesn't reach you? And you shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemies shall eat it. As you read down that chapter, you see progressive punishments. But at the end of that chapter, you will see that God says, in verse 44, and yet for all that, when they were in the land of their enemies, I will not cast them away, neither will I abhor them to destroy them utterly and to break my covenant with them, for I am the Lord their God. That is mercy. Praise the Lord. Even in chastisement and judgment, there is mercy. Another thing we must know, if I do not deviate too much, is that even in chastisement and judgment, there is supervision. If you go to the second Samuel, chapter 24, verse 15, you will see that a plague came upon the land that swept about 70,000 people. US has reached 7,000 now, and they are projecting that 100,000 to 250,000 people will die from this death. Praise the Lord. But the Bible says that there was an angel in charge of that plague with a sword that was raised. And as you read down, you see that God instructed that angel to stop. And he opened the eyes of baby and then he saw the angel. The defender with the sword was staying at the vineyard of Aruna by instruction. So even in a plague, there is spiritual supervision. If you doubt it, ask yourself, why is Portugal, the member of Italy, having such a low death rate compared with Italy? Many of us know what Italian did recently. And why is America being chastised? And all the rich countries of the world being humble? And in Africa, the mind to control 
This is the steps given to us. Praise the Lord. We pray as we are praying this day that the angel in charge of this flesh shall stay in charge. Because there is God that rules over the nations. He has not been dethroned. There is no fire that is wild without control yet. It is under control. And all that is demanded for us is to humble ourselves. When there is need for national atonement, the Bible says, in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 13, if I shut up the heavens and there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence amongst my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, humility, the key to access for forgiveness. If my people who are humble by my, who are called by my name shall humble themselves of prayer my face, I will turn and turn from their wicked ways. That is the one that is more difficult for us to do, turning from our wicked ways. Praise the Lord. Then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. Is there wickedness? When I pray concerning this thing, I say, God, we are guilty. We are all guilty. I am guilty because I have not prayed for the land. I am guilty because I have not done all you have commanded me to do. We are guilty because we have killed innocent children in order to gain political positions. We are guilty because the blood of the innocent shed in our land is praying against us. We are guilty because we have despised the poor. We are all guilty. We deserve the chastisement. But God have mercy. Because we meet Him in no other place but in the mercy seats. Praise the Lord. And from the mercy seats, the heart of the Father will forgive the land. Praise the Lord. We must pray for this nation. We have moved from less than 50. So about 200 in a very short time. The next two weeks will be critical. Pray for the land. Travel for this land. Praise the Lord. Number two, humility gives us access into the presence of God. In Isaiah chapter 57. Verse 15, the word of the Lord says, For thus says the higher and lofty one that seeks, that inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in a high and holy place, with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble, and to revive the hearts of the contrite. God dwells in a high and exalted place. And He seeks to lift you up to that place. He seeks to lift me up to that place. But there is something He's looking for. 
You must pray. I'm not talking about congregational prayer. I'm not a church administrator. I don't want to go into that one. Even in my house, there is a split. Into two. Those who don't want congregational prayer, and those who want, praise the Lord. I said that everyone be persuaded in his heart. Okay? Because I remember that Peter was commanded by Jesus to walk on the water, and he started walking. But when he became fearful, he started sinking. So every man must be persuaded in his heart. Praise the Lord. But every man who is called by the name of Jesus must pray. That is the basis of escaping this disease. Your prayer. You know what this? I will have a confession to make. God knows it really happened. When this illness was coming, and I heard that the pain had done so long, I was very happy. Praise the Lord. I said, God, you need to search for the blood of the innocent amongst all those people who are responsible for killing Christians in the north. Make sure none of them escapes. I remember I had just finished taking my morning drill, and I was sitting at the back of my house, and I was making this prayer. And I got a sharp rebuke. God said, pray for yourself. That it does not also come to you. Praise the Lord. We must pray. We are going to pray through this storm. Whether we continue to meet together or if a time comes when we don't meet together. Remember your hope and chance to overcome is on the knees. Finally, humility is the basis for God's lifting up Jesus. Jesus told me that I am your example. Now let's quickly look at Philippians chapter 2. And I'll read from verse 5. It's a longish thing, but when I finish reading it, I end. The Bible says to Christians, let this mind be in you, which also, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who being in the form of God, not in no robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in the passion as man, he humbled himself, even as a man, he humbled himself. In fact, he was not born, he was not born in a hospital, he was born where goats and cow put to bed. And became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. We were sent about to celebrate this thing that Jesus did. Today is Palm Sunday. It's a day of triumph. And that triumph has its roots. was demonstrated by the Romans. It is something that the general does when he has conquered the land. Jesus was demonstrating his conquest of Satan on Palm Sunday. But he was not doing it like the Roman general would do. The Roman general would list, bring all the captives, the good things of the land. 
And finally, he will come at the end to praise the leaders. And they will march into the capital city of Rome. An exalted man, the man of that day. That was what Jesus was doing. As his, the people sang and they marched towards the temple, he was demonstrating his victory over Satan and death and hell and destruction. That is Passover. Praise the Lord. But this is the mind of the man of Palm Sunday. Philippians 2 9. Wherefore God also has exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every day will bow. Of things in heaven and things on earth, including Corona, and things under the earth, the one that we just discovered. And at every time we confess that Jesus is the Lord, the glory of God the Father. Do you want to be exalted? Let Jesus be exalted. But God concerning your life, concerning your work, pride is what is natural to life and the flesh. Humility, true humility, is a heart of grace. As the way somebody steps upon your toe, you will be able to control yourself and not shout within yourself, do you know who I am? And respond with a smile. As the Lord give you grace and give you victory. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.